0: everyone. Welcome to the Higher Points Podcast. Coming at you with another To The Point here with my buddy Nate Hyatt. I'm Nick Sowers, and we're going to just jump right into this. I'll let Nate start since he has something that's just come into his mind right before we hit the record button, and since... He always talks about the CTE brain. I don't want him to forget it, so I'll let you uh, take it away from here, buddy. It's too late.
1: I already forgot. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay, so like I subscribe to uh, Liftbox. You know, you get samples of proteins, this and that. Got a t-shirt in there too, and it says there's no such thing as luck is what it says on the t-shirt. And I got to thinking about that. I agree and disagree with that a little bit. I agree because like in the business world, I do not believe there is luck. You get in what you put out. Get out of it. What you put into it. There we go.
0: <laughs> I was good, I was going to see if you corrected yourself on that. <laughs> A little
1: backwards, but in other areas there is luck. You know, like you gambling. Obviously, you're not going to create your own luck there. Like that's just you pull that lever on your uh, slot machine, and it is what it is. You win hundred thousand dollars. You're pretty lucky. But in the business world, you have to work for it. You know, and one thing that really frustrates me is like people say. must be nice, you know, they, uh, they say things like, oh, you're lucky and this and that. And like, I don't believe in that at all anymore. Um, I used to, my outlook has changed on it big time, you know, back in 2020, fat, depressed, Nate. I didn't, I believed in luck then, you know, like, man. I've just got a string of bad luck. Um, Got divorced, had COVID, got my face knocked in by a piece of metal at work and had to go to the ER. I mean, it was just one thing after another, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm just so unlucky. And then I look back and I'm like, it it wasn't luck, you know, like bad things happen. If you're going to get knocked down, you got to get back up, though, is the biggest thing I took away from that. I stayed, the well, I started the course then, Um, started working out, losing weight. Competing in Strongman, focusing more on the business, you know. Now, I got to a point where, like, I lost a lot of weight, got down to 220, um, was feeling good, and then, oh, here we go, quote air quotes here, bad luck, you know, hurt my back, then the holidays came, got fat again, I'm like up to 240, well, I've got to be down to 220 here by February 18th? For my next competition. So I got 20 pounds to lose <laughs> just coming off the holidays and a vacation down to the keys. You know, I probably got a lot of alcohol weight on me, but it's going to be a battle, you know, and
0: I'm I mean, gonna- l- I was looking at a uh, picture the other day, Facebook or excuse me, Google was giving me a, uh, like a memory and I was doing a log press and you were standing in the background before you were training with us. And you were on that rack that's closest to like the doors as you go back to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's that, that first rack on your right. And you're like, pulling a weight off of the probably like several 45s because you know you're strong like that. Um, <laughs> you're pulling weight off the rack to put onto your bar. And I was looking at you compared to you now, like even though you may be down on yourself or where you're at, you're way different than you were. So like you said, you stayed the course.
1: Yeah, and everybody's journey's different when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's not a straight path. I mean, you're going to go through times where you gain weight, where you lose weight, where you – get hurt where you have to work back from injury i mean it's it's a constant battle and grind to get where you want to be and it's going to be that way for the next few months for me i've got some work to do i can tell you that much it's been a tough holiday season for me
0: <laughs> do you want to do a do you, did you have anything else because i was gonna say if you want to do a quick update on where the medical bills at
1: um dead
0: yeah I say it kind of got very very <laughs> sidelined from my understanding
1: yeah there's some uh Republican representatives that put it into a different different committee than that it they was, control. and he controls this committee himself, and we're pretty sure that this bill is gonna die. And we think that it went there to die, but we're not one hundred percent sure. We'll see.
0: So, what was the reason for that? He's just not he's not for it, so he could control it and kill it that way.
1: I think he's got his hand out, looking for someone to pat his pocket a little bit. Mm but i don't know that 100% or
0: or trying to get some concessions on another bill like if you if you want me to pass this bill or to bring this bill up for discussion then you need to bring another bill that i want up for discussion it's politics
1: yeah it's politics i don't understand it probably never will don't really want to but
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's the key to that
1: oh it's it's tough right now and i know that they've introduced a deal to where they can pass a bill Right, something where we can vote on it in November, like a change to the Kansas
0: Constitution. Yeah, to where you can do the um, to where you can do the petition and put it on a put it on a ballot for voting something. in November.
1: Well, we can't do a petition, so it has got to be legis- the change that to make it that way, right? Okay, I think Is it's the legislators think? are putting it in to where we can vote on it. Oh, okay, not. Cause I know you can't do a petition in Kansas right now. I don't know what that law is called, but. Well, I
0: thought you meant you, I thought you meant you were trying to change that law so that you could do the petition to put it on a ballot. I
1: think the legislators are just going to put it on the ballot in November for us to vote on it. I got you. Which that's happened. It's passed that way in other states and legislators have shot it down. So even then that's not a hundred percent. Another thing this kind of leads me to is like I was looking that a, a graphic that was sent to me and it shows like the top sellers for cannabis in the United States and some, the the two top sellers are flour and vape cartridges. Um, flour is almost 11 billion dollars in the United States. Vape cartridges is five, five billion. And those are both two things we will not be able to have in the state at this point,
0: which is interesting to me because the, the flour, you get all the other, You get all the cannabinoids. Yep. Whereas with a vape cartridge, you know you're not getting the full medical benefits that science has shown that it does have. It's because, strictly
1: eighty to ninety percent THC. Yeah, I mean
0: you're not getting any of the CBG, okay. CBN, CBD, delta nine, delta eight. Unless they delta blend it 10. that way,
1: but there's nothing in the laws right now
0: for that. Well, like she said, it was a stepping stone. Yeah. I mean, they kind of knew that was coming, but it was this. Let's just get something. And then we can work on it from there, right? Might not
1: even get anything now. I yeah. don't
0: know. We'll see. Uh, you will eventually. Might yeah. not be this legislative session, but you will eventually.
1: Yeah. And some, I mean, looking at this graphic, you know, they were talking about one of our best sellers is uh, a topical. As of right now, topical sales are like $200 million in the United States out of a $20 billion cannabis market or yeah. $200 billion cannabis market.
0: Well, another thing is too, if they don't, if they don't make it to where you can sell like flour and canisters and stuff like that, and then it becomes federally legal or federally decriminalized, then that could kill local farmers here, as far as because it's just going to drop the price out. Yeah, us,
1: us little guys will be uh, be hurt. Yeah, we won't be able to compete. These big guys from Oklahoma, Colorado, Missouri, you're going to come in, and we'll be stuck with what we got. So, yep, that pretty much uh, wraps up my little board.
0: Cool. Well, some of the things that have been on my mind. So we spend a lot of time in our society and and social media and we put a lot of information out there, which I I personally feel like social media in and of itself is kind of a cancer and it's used for all the wrong purposes and people see it in the wrong lights. Like they like to compare their lives to what they're seeing other people's snippets of their lives but we spend a lot of time watching other people's lives through social media. And one thing that's been bothering me lately is... So I, I've watched and I didn't realize this was a thing until until Chad got shot. And the and the sheriff and under sheriff got some money. I don't know if the sheriff got any, but I know Chad did. And then I watched the same thing happen with Corey. And he's gotten some money. And then I had some family members that had quite a substantial amount of money donated to them when their son died. And he had a skin disease that basically... know, he just had a really cool outlook on life and everybody loved him. And and so a lot of people wanted to show their support, but what I'm now seeing on the backside is a lot of people that are now watching this journey through social media where, you know, these people that have been through tremendous pain or, you know, their child has been through tremendous pain and has died and now they're dealing with the pain of that. A lot of people are like looking at what they're spending the money on like, oh, they're taking a trip to Vegas or. Like some people were making other backsided comments about Chad and Corey. And I'm like, you realize they took bullets for you, right? Like, so you didn't have to. And the same thing was the, with a family member of, you realize that she took care of her son who had a disease that was supposed to kill him by the time he was about 10 and he died at 21. And she spent every day of her life caring for him. And now you're going to take the, you're going to talk about them bad behind their back when you donated money to them and other people donated money. So here's how I see it. If I donate money, it's no longer mine. And the IRS even sees it that way. I'm no longer taxed for that money. I gave it away. That's not mine anymore. You spend your money how you want. Now, if for some reason I personally feel like you spent it on something stupid, like let's say I see that you're just doing like lines of coke off of a hooker's butt, you know, I'm probably not going to give you money again. But I'm not going to sit here and talk crap. Once I gave that money away, it's gone. I'm never going to see it again. You know, if you don't like what people are spending the money on, just don't donate to them again. Or just donate, don't donate to a cause if you're going to think that it is used for a specific purpose. Now, if there is a donation that's made, that's earmarked for something, like some people make donations to companies, charities, schools, police departments, saying like, you can use this money for this and this only, then I could see where you'd maybe have an issue with where the money's being spent. So long story short there, mind your damn business. The next one is uh, kind of on mental health again. So still dealing with some pretty heavy mental gymnastics myself. And it's been ups and downs and, you know, dealing with my son and everything has been a challenging process. Even on the way over here to do this was still some of the ups and downs. But it's 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 interesting to me because I've never really dealt with this before. So it's kind of interesting. And I just wanted to point out a few things so small things feel like big things. Like, for instance, if you get a cut and that cut has a scab on it and you rip that scab off, like it's going to hurt and it's going to bleed. And that's what it's like in my mind where when I think things are going well and like everything's good and then suddenly we haven't fallen out for some reason, it feels like that's ripping that scab off. But the big thing I wanted to get at that was like, just like Nate said, there's no such thing as good luck. I'm not just going to get luck. And everything in my family is going to be fine. I have to keep pushing on. I have to stay the course. You know, when you go to the gym and you work out for an hour and you go home and you look in the mirror, you see no change, right? But if you stay that course for a year and you look back at your beginning picture to your end picture, you're going to see a big difference. Well, your brain's that same way. You're going to have to stay that course, working through things, talking to people, doing research about what's bothering you, going to a therapist, whatever it is. Because you're not going to do like a one and done. Like I'm not going to come in here and have a podcast with you, Nate. And then my brain's fixed and everything's fine, right? (laughs) So um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was I kind of had a little bit of a mental renaissance this last week. I'm really tired of standing on the sidelines, I guess. And seeing and expecting other people to just kind of do what I feel should be done. So I want to take more of an active role in like being part of that change versus just expecting other people to do that. And one of the things that brought me to that is a speech that Teddy Roosevelt wrote and it was called a citizen of the Republic, I believe. And during that speech, he talks about a man in the arena and I want to just read this. So bear with me. He said in his speech, it is not the critic who counts To do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That just like epitomizes my mindset of law enforcement. and the things that I think that can be done better and could be, it's not incredibly complex. Are there complexities to it? Yes, but I'm just tired of being on the sidelines. I'm tired of just watching other leaders, not lead. And I want to be in the arena. Put me in coach. Like I want to be the person that even if I fail miserably, just like Teddy Roosevelt said, at least I won't be among the timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. I just feel that to my core, And as a result, I'm probably going to be making some interesting career choices in the next coming years. That I'll just leave that for interpretation to those that are listening. I also found it interesting that speeches like that don't exist these days, especially with our current president and vice president. They're just like you you would never hear those words together in that way. You know, he was encouraging citizens of a republic to go out and do things and challenge themselves and be a part of... This great republic that we are, because we're not a democracy. If you if you think we're a democracy, please choke yourself. We are definitely a republic. And I would
1: say we haven't really had that from a president for a long time. Yeah, that's honestly. not. And I'm not.
0: Yeah, that's not me saying that Trump was a perfect speaker. Because no,
1: <laughs> I mean that's one thing we we haven't had a good speaker. Obama was a pretty good speaker as president, to be honest. You know, I didn't like a lot. I'd of agree. some Obama policies, but he was like one of the best speakers there. He was a Presidents good order. Had yeah. But it's been a while since we've had a president that, like, stood up and spoke like that. So,
0: You know, and also I think it's a difference, too, where a lot of our really great presidents, the truly great ones, the ones that are noteworthy in history, were military members. And they were just men. They hunted. They fished. They went out into the, you know, and lived rough and knew what it was like. And not that I'm saying I know what living rough is because I have lived in the comfort of a house, but they were actually out and like doing things. They weren't career <clears> politicians <throat> that climbed that ladder and were there. They were men, true men.
1: I mean, that's that's why our system is so fucked up right now is because of career politicians. I mean, <laughs> that's that inspires corruption, I feel like, when you have career politicians and their only worry is about being reelected.
0: Well, oh, there's something too the The term limits I mean they even saw that in the early times of George Washington saw that when he when the presidency came along. I mean, if it hadn't have been for him mentioning that, I don't think we'd even have that in a president, yep like we wouldn't have that to this day, so we'd have five presidents right now so. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's pretty much all I had. That's what's been bouncing around my mind,
1: yep, hope that some of these words of wisdom can help somebody out somewhere or make you think or question or maybe you guys know how to answer some of the questions uh that we're asking thank you guys for joining us on to the point and we'll uh we'll talk to you next time